spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Ever since April, Hayden, this has been on our mind. Best Ball Mania 2, along with the big dog, along with all the puppies, but just best ball season in general. We drafted a lot on here on YouTube, watch people do it behind closed doors on their own channels, and now we have the winners, we have the top tens. Are you ready? To dive in, a little quick look on the best teams out there. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited to have a little bit of a low-key session here, too. We, we don't have to argue about, do you need a ninth wide receiver or a tenth wide receiver? How much that it changes your advance rates? How much does Gabe Davis versus Emmanuel Sanders matter? This is just about, all right, let's congratulate the winners, see if we can spot a couple trends and just have a little fun. Yeah, listen, we have all offseason to talk about advance rates and roster constructions Players, all that good stuff. Today, again, is just a, a, a quick look at so many of the teams that went out there and got people rich. What else would you want to do when you play fantasy football? Is uh, get rich and have a million dollars wind up in your bank account, courtesy of Underdog Fantasy. And by the way, if you're watching us for the first time, like and subscribe down below because we have so much more content ahead of the 2022 season. This gives you a little itch to get in the action and start drafting already for next season, Underdog already has that with 2022 best ball on the way. And you're damn sure, damn sure, best ball mania three is right around the corner. All right. Again, we're going to go through all the top 10 teams here. There is one more game to be played. Let's say that in front. Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns, Monday night football. 11th place team has Nick Chubb, but 35 points behind. 35 more points than maybe their flex spot that they have on their starting roster right now, since it is best ball, just a, you know, a 30 point outing wouldn't do it for Nick Chubb in general. We seem pretty confident that these teams will be among the top 10 and first place is first place, but there may be some reordering when we look back on this on Tuesday. Yeah. Nick Chubb, Chase Claypool. There's a couple of players like a Najee Harris game can move some of these players. Basically, the 11th place team has Nick Chubb, the 21st, and then the 24th teams have Nick Chubb. But, like, yeah, you need a lot of points. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good that first place, second place, third place are all pretty safe. Um, but you never know. All of a sudden, Nick Chubb can have six touchdowns, 50 yards a pop, and this thing changes. But I think for the most part right now, it's we, we've got a good good grasp. Maybe 10th place falls to 11th place, but I think we right. can move forward. All right. Let's do this. Let's start off with the first place team. And again, that gets $1 million and $1, the largest prize ever for a season-long best ball league. And it goes to Go Bills 2020. Chess Liam himself, Liam Murphy, who's in the chat right now. All right. I think the best way to talk about these teams is just to talk about the structure at the top and just have some fun with some player takes, some narratives, how it all worked out for him in the end where Liam ran hot. 
201.8 points. This team was Ooh. actually drafted on June 16th. Yes, early, early season of that hot, hot best ball summer. A running back, running back start. Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones. Then we get to Damian Harris in round eight. So, yes, that's three running backs in the top eight. And that's all sandwiched with the likes of Amari Cooper, Jamar Chase, Josh Allen, Chase Claypool, and Tyler Boyd in between those backs, Hayden. So I think big picture, and we'll go through all the teams. You do not need to have the stone cold nuts on every single pick. Like you're going to see like the fifth round pick on a lot of these teams, not really matter all that much. What mattered for this week in this iteration of the simulation was you had to have Jamar <laughs> chase. Uh, there was actually 10 out of the uh, top 160 teams that had Jamar chase. Eight of them are currently in the top 10. And then you have a couple more just outside of that as well. So basically, it was no Jamar Chase, no money, or at least no $100,000 plus money if you didn't have Jamar Chase. And of course, uh, he had Jamar Chase. The other thing is a couple teams had uh, Joe Burrow as well. We'll talk about stacking a ton here. Um, Of those top 10 teams that Jamar Chase was on, four of the eight also had Joe Burrow. So we're going to talk about stacking. That's been a huge narrative throughout best ball. And of course, that's helped him out a little bit here. We'll jump to stacking, like you mentioned, a little later on. Some teams heavily, heavily, two or three, in fact. Uh, here, for Liam, barely any. I mean, it was yep. a Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, skinny stack, where we just talk about two wide receivers, and it was Josh Allen and Cole Beasley. If I'm missing anyone else, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah. it's pretty And crazy. there's getting a lot of role players in the end. Maybe that's a term we should use here with Rashad Penny, Amon Rice St. Brown, who at least in the fantasy football playoffs, when you advanced into round two and round three of best ball mania two were totally, totally massive. Heck, even Marquez Vada Scantling is a name that's going to pop in here. A couple things. Um, early quarterback, Josh Allen pops around Aaron Rodgers, Joe Burrow. We'll get to some of those names as we go along, but Josh Allen in round five, uh, Combined with, you know, a Cole Beasley in round 10. Um, I don't, again, want to do sweeping changes here, but late round quarterback has been such a, you know, useful strategy for fantasy football in recent years. Yet this year, I believe Josh Allen obviously finished the regular season as the quarterback one, and he makes it, you know, his presence felt in the last two weeks of the playoffs as well, because so much of his production has come on the ground as of late. Yeah, so I think the biggest compliment I can give this team, and he really definitely nailed this, is when he was drafting a position, he didn't overcommit to any of them. So he went to two running backs to start, and then he didn't draft his next one until round eight. And then even then, his next one came way, way, way later until round 14. So he's really, when he uh, picked those players, he's getting those points basically every single week. The same thing with the wide receivers. He had four of them relatively early. He did the golden rule of best ball, four wide receivers through round seven, added a little bit of depth with Cole Beasley and Christian Kirk, and then rounded out the roster. And then when he drafted Josh Allen in round five, he didn't come back and hit another quarterback right away. When he drafted Josh Allen, he's scooping up all of those points. So I think he did that the entire draft, and he wasn't in a situation where he has seven wide receivers in the first nine picks because those round six, seven, eight wide receivers it's hard for them to earn points. When he drafted these players, they were getting him points. I think like a balanced approach, we can argue two wide receivers, three wide receivers by round five and all that stuff. 
a, a nice balanced approach kind of won this thing for him. Since it was June 16th, there was a lot of uncertainty around Aaron Rodgers' situation that allowed for Aaron Jones to be selected in round two, that allowed for the likes of Marquez Valdez-Scantling to be a 17th round pick. That is absolutely part of the discourse of drafting early. At times, you're going to get values where we know that the day that Aaron Rodgers said he was going to camp, Aaron Jones shot up, Marquez Valdez-Scantling shot up, Devontae Adams became a first-round pick. And so that definitely, definitely helps. I know Liam just a little bit from interacting with him since, I don't know, August and September. Um, I know he is a, a loyal listener and viewer of a lot of great you know, fantasy football content out there. He was a massive Gabriel Davis and Ramondre Stevenson fan. So to me, there's a bit of irony, sweet, sweet irony to help him win this. It's Damian Harris and Cole Beasley. And Damian Harris is a name we're going to get to a lot as we go through these top tens. Biggest pick here. Well, there's a couple of them. The Christian Kirk pick was awesome, especially early on in the season. Rashad Penny, we're talking about somebody that had the pedigree. He was just an injury away. At least yep. he had a serviceable offense. That pick always had made sense to me. And then Amon Ross St. Brown, talking about a player who post by rookie bump candidate, um, an early declare. He had a easy path to the starting lineup. And when you have a starter, that late period, you're in the money. So I would just keep aiming at the last couple of picks is, is he locked into the starting lineup? If yes, then he's a viable pick. And he just absolutely crushed all of those. I've said at points during draft season, during the regular season, that like the draft is really 12 rounds long and you need to like really focus and hammer on roster construction and getting it right during that point. But what Liam and Go Bills 2020 did so well was as you outlined, get legitimate, like, top 12 talents at their position once we got to the finals and once we got to the playoffs after that in Penny, in Amon Ross St. Brown, heck, Christian Kirk, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has done it in the last few weeks as well. Those, again, role players were so, so critical in being the difference there because obviously you have your stars at the top, but when they might not perform quite as well, a la Chase Claypool, who plays tonight and hasn't been as good in the last few weeks, it's supplemented by Amon Ross St. Brown. It's supplemented by a flex play in Rashad Penny because – there is still a chance. I know so much discourse around drafting running backs is, hey, you only need to start two of them each week. Well, you can easily start three of them each week in the flex spot. And I'm sure there were multiple weeks where Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, Damian Harris were all starters. Plus you throw in Rashad Penny and heck, even a Jeff Wilson at times when he got the starting nod. Boom. Those, uh, that's a nice stable of, uh, of five running backs he had in this roster. Anything else we want to say before we move on to second place? Um. Yeah, I don't think so. I think we'll talk about it throughout, but I think that you will learn RB, RB works, zero RB works, one running back works, all of that. We'll get to all of them. But I think big picture, you got to know all the strategies. And Liam's in the chat talking about how he was one pick away from all this stuff. You have to have a big picture view and you're adjusting throughout the draft. And obviously he adjusted perfectly here. Half point PPR is God's game. You know, it allows everyone to be victorious out there, no matter which strategy you use. And to me, that's why it's so, so great that it's not a formula that is figured out. It's not like, to me, DFS that can be daunting. It's, you know, understanding team dynamics, player dynamics, roster construction, and just being smart in, in how you draft. One final note, Noah Fant was a huge difference maker here for Liam. A ninth round selection, his first tight end off the board. Only five teams of the 160 in the final round of Best Ball Mania 2 had Noah Fant. 
And so, you know, Mark Andrews was one of the highest rostered players. Um, we can keep going on and on with other tight ends, but Noah Fant was kind of a difference maker because only it's a leverage spot for him with just five out there. Yep. Tight ends crazy with all these. I don't even like talking about tight end construction on right. any of this stuff because it's so <laughs> volatile. Like if Mark Andrews has 20 points here, like this whole game is flipped on his, on his head. So it's super small sample stuff when it comes to the tight ends, but yeah, absolutely crushed, crushed it with Noah Fant um, with all the COVID news. Yeah. It's, it's okay. very helpful to be very lucky on some of these things too, but that was, that was a quality quality team. Uh, big, big congrats to Liam. Yeah. Again, he's even in the chat saying I'd weigh more zero running back than running back, running back. Ironically, again, got to know a, all. You, you knowing them all actively participating in all of them and knowing which ones to line up correctly. That's impossible, but doing so many of them certainly, certainly does help. Um, okay. Again, it's not perfectly there yet. We still have 24 hours, but almost certainly Liam, congratulations on your million and one dollar from underdog fantasy. Let's jump to next second place. Again, 201 got number one right now, as it stands with second place goes to RJ rat with its score of 185.8. And guess what? Another running back, running back start with Ezekiel Elliott and Joe Mixon, followed by Mike Evans, Jamar Chase, again Josh Allen in round five, then Mark Andrews, and Trey Sermon here in, in round seven. Told so that's, that's two straight teams that finished top two thus far in Best Ball Mania 2 with a running back, running back start, and then another running back within the top eight rounds. Yeah, and it's not like robust running back where you kept drafting running backs once you drafted those three. The next one was all the way down, and it's seven Singletary. So that's all he needed here. His top two running backs stayed healthy. Zeke Elliott was not a smash pick, but you used those points every single week Zeke was healthy. You were using those points, and if that was 12 points one week or 20 points the next, it doesn't matter. You've used a first-round pick to uh, basically get all of those points here. Um, the Josh Allen stack was very interesting. Uh, a lot of these teams did not have Steph Diggs because Steph Diggs didn't have a good season, but the role players were going so late that it didn't really matter which one. You got some Cole Beasley weeks. You got some Emmanuel Sanders weeks early on in the season. Gabe Davis steps up a little bit later too. If you were crazy enough to have Dawson Knox and Isaiah McKenzie, Devin Singletary, all of those Bills players were going round 10 and beyond. And if you just sprinkled a little bit of that with Josh Allen, you don't really need Steph Diggs. Like Josh Allen is going to be carrying this team and he gets all that rushing production where I think that you could have made the exception. Okay. I didn't have Steph Diggs, but that right. does not mean I don't, I can't draft Josh Allen in round five or round six. Yeah. Well, and with Liam's team, the stacks were very skinny again, Aaron Jones, MVS, Allen, Beasley, Chase, Boyd. This one was a heavy, heavy bill stack. Josh yep. Allen, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabe Davis, Devin Singletary and going three back to back there rounds 11, 12, 13, again, of Manny, Gabe and Devin Singletary. Interesting to look back on. Plus a really late one with Amon Ross St. Brown and, and Jared Goff. Yeah. The role players are just such a, such a difference here. Amon Ra, Jacoby Myers, Devin Singletary, and boy, are we going to get to some Rashad pennies later on too. And I even liked just from a team perspective, because I really think there is an edge in evaluating teams correctly and while it's more difficult players correctly and like at the top level that is something that we can still get right better than a lot of people out there so Ezekiel Elliott an offense we wanted to buy into 
Joe Mixon, an offense we wanted to buy into. Mike Evans, Jamar Chase, Josh Allen, Mark Andrews. All six of those picks were offenses that we thought could all end in the top 10, top eight overall. Then Brandon Cook, someone, Hayden, you know, I was completely wrong on, but um, one who was the wide receiver one for his team at a value in round eight just makes so much sense there in those top, you know, seven or eight selections. So I would say with this team, he was a little weak at wide receiver to start. I mean, he only had three of them by round eight, and that third one came in round eight. But after that, he made sure he got Corey Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabe Davis, Jacoby Myers, Tyrell Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, KJ Hamler. So he finished the draft with a bunch of wide receivers. And that's basically like the the approach you can take at any of the positions. If you drafted zero running backs early, well, guess what? You're probably going to be a six running back team if all of them are coming after round 10. And we'll get to a couple of those teams in a second. But yeah, this is once again a balanced approach. He did not commit to one position way too much over the others. He had the points when he was drafting the player in round five. He was getting those round five points. He was not... Um, over committing himself. And I think that's my biggest takeaway um, after looking at these top teams. Boy, oh boy, Jamar Chase. A 50 burger? A 50 burger. That helps. I think there are some teams, though, in the top 10 that didn't have him. Yeah, I think we'll get two. to those in a moment. But obviously, the top ones, when combined with other players who, who helped out tremendously, uh, the winning formula. This is a great formula. team. I really like that team. Yeah, a really, really good team. All right, we'll jump to the next one here. And by the way, if you are here for the first time, welcome. We appreciate you being here. And even if you're not, you've never subscribed, just liked our content, it truly does help us out. On the road to 10,000 subs by then the Super Bowl. That's the name of the game here because we are 100% ready, willing, and able to attack 2022 best ball, best ball mania three when it rolls around and it'll be here before you all know it. All right. I believe we're next up. Number three, Scorpion 171, a final score of 183.24, a wide receiver, running back, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver start. Our first Debo Samuel share. Again, no Jamar Chase here. And what is fascinating is this had to have been one of the best values of Jonathan Taylor out there. But then you don't even get that much out of CEH in round three, Chris Carson in round four, Jerry Judy in round five. I'm sure Scorpion at some point looked at this team and said, oh, man, it's doing well at the start of the season. There's no way it can finish. But look where it got him. It truly is amazing what players like Devin Singletary in round 12, Amon Ross St. Brown again in round 14, Rashad Penny in round 16, Al Lazard in round 17, how they can help supplement and lift everyone up once you lose some of the stars at the top of the draft. Yep, he stacked Russell Wilson with Chris Carson early. Obviously, the big one was Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams got a couple weeks out of Alan Lazard, too. And then, yeah, Monroe St. Brown really was, like, the difference. Like, if you didn't have a Monroe St. Brown the last couple of rounds, it was going to be a little more difficult for you to advance all the way through. So that was another uh, use of that pick. And then Rashad Penny was the same exact version of Monroe St. Brown at the running back position. So if you didn't have those two players, it was tough to advance. And that's what makes all these so random so crazy in this format um but those players always had upside it was just a matter of this simulation happening and it did happen we i remember i had a couple conversations on 
maybe the sweet spot of quarterbacks, like back-to-back in that area, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford in like round seven through 10 area. Obviously, Russell Wilson was not his best all season long, missed a whole bunch of weeks. Then Aaron Rodgers, you know, turning the corner and playing out of his mind, very similar to what he did in, uh, in 2020, made this one work out well there too. And then obviously they didn't go back to the well at the quarterback the rest of the way, which is very, very smart. Yeah, once you've committed that much, you, ha- you have to. So yeah, this is another one of those teams where maybe he over-invested into quarterback, but the second quarterback was the one that actually uh, was relevant for him. So yeah, I think this is a totally viable team. There's a couple weird weirdnesses going off, like Chris Carson and Rashad Penny on the same team. But when it's a 16th <laughs> round pick, like it is, it is what it is. You know? That is so funny. We're getting to another one or two teams that took two running backs in the same roster too. But it's uh it's uncommon. Man, Rashad Penny's such a such a massive player in these last three weeks to decide all these uh all these fantasy seasons. Wow. Okay. I think that's good enough there on number three. Another team, again, all top three have at least drafted two running backs in the top four. Again, we are not making sweeping declarations here, just something to keep in mind. Um, because fourth team and Tigers one, two, one, one with a total of 181 points, good for $100,000, start off with Travis Kelsey, then three wide receivers, Devontae Adams, C.D. Lamb, Jamar Chase, then Dak Prescott in round five, Odell Beckham in round six. The first running back wasn't until round seven and then went on a really good streak. Round nine, Leonard Fournette. Round 11, Naeem Hines. 12, Devin Singletary. So this very much is, hey, I'm going to lock up four wide receivers, one tight end, my quarterback through the first six rounds, and then hammer five running backs in the next seven rounds after that. A clear strategy here that paid off for Tigers 1-2-1-1. Yeah, I love this team. Like This is how I view zero RB if you're doing it. That does not mean I don't think you need to have six elite wide receivers like getting four or five and then stopping. And that's exactly what he did after he draft, drafted Brandon Cooks here. His next wide receiver didn't come until rounds 14, 15, and 17 at the very end of the draft. So he was using even that fifth wide receiver. He was using those points almost every single week. He had a good week. He was not cannibalizing himself. Yeah, he correlated this team very well. After getting CeeDee Lamb, he goes Dak Prescott. He gets Aaron Rodgers after drafting uh, round two, Devontae Adams. So yeah, this team was pure. I mean, they nailed Leonard Fournette as well. They had upside with Naeem Hines if Jonathan Taylor ever missed. Devin Singletary had a path always in that offense. So yeah, this was a perfect team rounded out with MVS and Alan Lazard to yep. go around with this massive Packers stack. And yeah, this team was beautiful. Two thoughts. This had to have been probably a June or early July draft with Devontae Adams in round two with Aaron Rodgers in round 10 with yep. MVS and Alan Lazard in rounds 15 and 17. We don't have exactly when it was, but I'm just assuming it was around that area because, again, we know Devontae Adams was immediately taken within the top three wide receivers as soon as Aaron Rodgers said he was going to come back. And I feel bad for Tigers 1-2-1-1 because this team had a great shot to win it all if Leonard Fournette wasn't out for Week 17 because you are able, starting in Round 7, to get backs like Damien Harris and, and Leonard Fournette I mean, Lenny could have easily had a top five, top 10 scoring week 
and been a huge, huge difference maker. Maybe not score more than Devin Singletary, but maybe doing better in the flex. Who knows? It could have been a 30 point outing for him as well, but just getting a zero from a player who helped propel him to get even to the playoffs in advance outside of that first round. Uh, it's a little sour note on top of the goodness that is a hundred thousand dollars that Tiger one two one one wins. Dude, this team was so good. I mean, so even, good. Like the process was basically perfect. Even Dalton Schultz, last pick, Dalton Schultz, perfect. always a path, and he already had Dak Prescott. So I mean, it was, and he he only had one of the uh, Cowboys wide receivers. I think this is something I want to study a little bit. Is do you want to draft too many wide receivers from the same team? Like maybe you want like the kind of what played out here is like you need like Gallup missing time that'll help CD lamb and that's mm. going to help the tight end and you're looking for those tight end points because that's where the position is barren so like I'm not sure if like quarterback and then two or three of his wide receivers from the same team is the best strategy but I do like this quarterback tight end wide receiver and then if the depth wide receivers get injured all of a sudden their target shares go up so um I mean this team I think is like I would give this team an A plus when it happened, even without looking at the the player takes. But even the player takes, I thought were A plus here too. And Odell moving on over from Cleveland to the Rams, starting to score touchdowns. What was it? Five touchdowns he scored there. We talk about each time on the usage show. He is such a weapon for them in the end zone because he can win big and small in those tight areas, either on slants or fades, creating separation. However, you want to do it. Those touchdowns have been such a huge difference for him because the receptions, the receiving yards were very similar in the, what, seven games he played with the Browns this season. And again, this was not by chance. This was a clear strategy that Tigers used. And what shows that is what we all always talked about. If you're going to take Travis Kelsey in round one, wait until round 17 or 18 to take your second tight end. And Dalton Schultz has emerged into a player who's going to get a massive contract. This summer, a massive contract. And then stacking that also with your quarterback and Dak Prescott was taking that even a step further. Just super smart. I mean, super even smart. like it was very low chance of happening, but even stacking Brandon Cooks and like Deshaun Watson, like even that True. was like a process pick too. So, I mean, this guy knows what he's doing. Love that. Okay. Going to buy a little time here, Hayden. We got to go to our fifth place team. Um, again, just a reminder, if this is scratching your itch, we have playoff best ball too. The playoff picture is starting to get a little more in focus. The number one seeds, which matter so much for playoff best ball, are again, are starting to come into focus. We have multiple tournaments out there at multiple dollar figures on Underdog Fantasy. If it's your first time ever using the platform, either on your mobile phone or on desktop, use promo code the show, deposit anything, and we'll match it. 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks. Again, promo code the show, and it is a first time deposit match. Here we go. So we started off with heavy running backs pretty early on, then just got to a Kelsey wide receiver times three team. We flip back to the running back position with Jay Mandel, who finishes in fifth place, just 0.18 behind fourth place. Still gets 50K out of it. A wide receiver, running back, quarterback, running back, wide receiver run after that. Interesting, interesting look here. And I think our first exposure to Patrick Mahomes here uh, in round three. Yeah, I don't really understand the Patrick Mahomes pick because he doesn't have another chief until Daryl Williams at the very end, which ended up in this simulation worked beautifully. Yeah. But because uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, I, I would guess they were break even advance rate players. Um, 
yeah, pretty, pretty crazy team. He was going back to the thing is he was getting the points whenever he was drafting those players. He did not overcommit to a single yep. position. Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery waited a little bit. Then Damian Harris waited a little bit. Leonard Fournette, Alexander Madison to finish it off. And then his second quarterback isn't until Kirk Cousins in round 14 doesn't draft a third one. So whenever Patrick Mahomes has 18 points, he's in the lineup. If he has 35 points, he's in the lineup. There was no cannibalization even at the wide receiver spot. He goes four in the top seven, and then he gets Jalen Waddle later. I mean, that's a great pick. And then MVS, who is somebody that we were talking about. But yeah, this is just another team that was never cannibalizing himself. I think that's like the biggest thing. It might be even more important than like correlation stuff. I'm going to do some studies on this, but like do not overcommit to a single position because that is when you're for sure capping your upside. Even if you just have to hit the stone cold nuts when it comes to player evaluations and all that stuff or just getting lucky with injuries, like you just do not want to be cannibalizing yourself by overcommitting to a single position. I'll take that a step further. It doesn't necessarily matter if a player went in round four, round six, round eight. Just get that player on your team. That, that's a super simplified way of doing it. And I remember the conversation, and he's not going to appear on any of these teams, but Daryl Henderson, when he was going as like a round 12 selection, then moved all the way up to like a round five, a round six, just making up these numbers. But the thought process was, well, my, my team that's drafting him in round six can't compete with the team that was drafting him in round 12. You have 17 other selections to make on your team. You're not necessarily going to have the same exact team with – anyone else. So get the players on your team that you think are in a good position to succeed are good individual talents who can help you. It might feel weird to shift your brain versus where someone was going a bit later. I mean, we saw Jamar Chase's ADP, you know, go a bit chaotic all during training camp because of practice reports. It was all the way up at like end of round three, round four, then dropped all the way to, to round six. These are all conversation. I think in the moment that we kind of lose ourselves in but in the end that one player might be the difference at the end of the season and so should we be so concerned about the the gap in adp versus where he was being drafted in july and august I, i'm just you lost me on wh- how that got applied here just talking about just like not over committing to the position or no what? just just a thought in general just a yeah, thought in general i have no idea i i, I want to do some studies on daryl henderson he's like the perfect case study for this because he had like a decent season like he mostly helped your your team but i want to i want to investigate that before i reach some conclusion but yeah i think like ninth round versus 12th round i really do not think it's going to matter like if you drafted jamar chase in round 5 versus round 6 like i i'm going to study the the win rates based off of that stuff this offseason but I think for the most part, you either got him or you don't. Yeah, yeah. Again, there's so much homework we're going to do off of this. But like Devontae Adams is uh, comparable for that, who was going like middle of round two, then middle of round one, right? A couple more names. Damian Harris is, I think, someone to bring up here. He was in five of the top ten finishers so far in in Best Ball Mania 2. And a name that we all loved, Alexander Madison in round 13 is so clutch here. Um, because I'm sure some really usable weeks in the middle of the season when he was given given the starting nod. So Daryl Henderson in round 18 was a great selection in the fantasy fantasy playoffs too. The big takeaway is the James Whites, the Giovanni Bernards, like those guys that like you're maybe going to average 12 points if the season kind of goes your way. Like miss me with those. Like I would rather have four Alexander Madison weeks. I'd rather have the four Rashad Penny weeks where like when they're starting, you're ranking them pretty aggressively so i think you're a lot of these teams have alexander madison because 
he had three usable weeks, but they happen to be three 25-point usable weeks. Usable weeks are not the same. A 12-point usable week and a 25-point usable week, those are not the same. And I'm definitely on team. Uh, Give me the RB insurance guys, especially ones attached to um, elite teams over like, maybe I can swing a couple catches from these scrub backs on bad teams. Jump to number six, Wilk 20, Travis Kelsey in round one, Joe Mixon round two, CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase, round three and round four, sandwiched with Josh Allen in the middle, Odell Beckham, Tyler Boyd. That's through round seven. Guess who pops up again in round eight? Round eight, Damien Harris. Love to see it. Then Joe Burrow, James Conner, Kenyon Drake. We've seen some teams that had some great luck, had some great runs throughout the season because of Leonard Fournette. I think this is our first James Conner one. And so, you know, the final week in week 17 could have also been different if James Conner was a part of that equation as well. And Wilk was able to get him in round 10. Yeah, I mean, it's so crazy to see all these Josh Allen teams without Steph Diggs. Like, that was one of the things you needed. The other, It didn't work out because he had a slower game. But Mark Andrews, like, you needed Mark Andrews to get to the, the finals. Like, I think more than half the teams had Mark Andrews. But you didn't need Lamar Jackson. So, like, it's it's pretty crazy. Like, maybe we don't have to be totally strict to win this. I think directionally you want to have those stacks in place almost every single time. Yeah. Um, but if you don't get it, that does not mean your team is dust. Like, I think there's a, a, enough randomness to kind of play out. So, like, if you get a team, you got sniped with Tyler Boyd and you had Joe Burrow. Like, I wouldn't cry about it. I think you got a chance to win this thing still. Hmm. Four wide receivers through round seven, then didn't touch the position again until round 12. I, man, I wish I saw it with Amon Rai St. Brown earlier in the season, earlier this offseason, but then it didn't hit Hayden until what, like week 10? Yeah, until that post by rookie bump. Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. He's on almost all of these teams, plus AJ Green in round 16. You love to see it. This, what a, what a, not to, you know, pat ourselves on the back here, but this is quite a team for our show, Hayden. Like, uh, Joe Mixon, round two, Damien Harris, round eight, your boy James Conner, round 10, Manny Sanders, round 13, Amon Ross St. Brown, round 15, AJ Green, round 16. I think Wilk was in the chat earlier. I think he was, I think he watches us, but yeah, luckily he didn't get Trey Sermon um, and some of the other horrible, horrible, horrible takes I had too. Galaxy Brain Thought. A non-Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen team, is that better off than, let's say, a Tom Brady, non-Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, or Joe Burrow without Chase and T. Higgins? Because Josh Allen is going to have that rushing upside inside the 10-yard line, and that can equal touchdowns and not be attached to someone else who's not going to run for those scores. Yeah, stacking matters less if your quarterback runs. Same thing, Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins. Total, totally viable. Um, we saw it play out. Yeah, you you just start drafting Christian Kirk, and if DeAndre is hurt or isn't having the same season, you're getting the rushing points, and all of a sudden you're getting the Christian Kirk points. So it matters way less. Like, if you have Aaron Rodgers, though, and he didn't – like, I wouldn't draft Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams. Like, that is harder to see how that offense survives. Um, but the Josh Allen stuff is just yeah, – he's – so dynamic. They had so many players to stack with, and he's going to rush some. So it matters less at the top of the top of the draft. Well done, Wilk. Well done, Wilk. Um, okay, so we've gone through the running back portion of the program. Now we enter the wide receiver portion of the program. Here with seven, 
Fifth place, 178.64. It's Rydog. Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins start. First running back off the board in round five is Javante Williams. Had all three Cincinnati wide receivers with Tyler Boyd in round six, Antonio Brown in round seven. The only running backs, A.J. Dillon round nine. Jamal Williams round 12. Alexander Madison round 13 and closes it out with Malcolm Brown here in the 18th round. I mean, this is this is as like dramatic. Yeah, this yeah. is like as dramatic as I would ever want to take it just with how much stack stack equity that had. But it came through right when you needed it. Um, and yeah, it was, it was nuts. Like this team needed AJ Dillon at the right time. Then needed this Jamal Williams weeks at the right time. The Alexander Madison weeks at the right time. But this team was just carried by basically Jamar Chase and T Higgins, like kind of ping ponging elite weeks. Like they had a couple weeks together, but a lot of the times it was like, T Higgins, 25 points. And then the next week would be Jamar chase for 35 points. Um, it got some weeks out of Antonio Brown before he quit the team. And yeah, I mean, this was a team that just was squeaking by the entire time and kind of hit the stone cold nuts by getting Zach Ertz in the 17th round right. and then getting him, um, basically as his tight end, uh, late in the draft after the trade. It's also teams that we believed in offensively. Again, like you're stacking teams that we love their offenses. And again, in those first, what, six teams that we talked about, some stacks were, were much smaller. Some rarely had stacks at all. And this, again, is just a perfect summation of how many ways there are to win in, in half-point PPR best ball. Because this is stacked out of your mind with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Burrow. Then you have Devontae Adams, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Rodgers, Robert Tunyon, MVS, Amari Rogers, and Al Nazard. I mean, what? That's nine players out of the 18 that all come from two teams. Yeah. Jesus. Wild. Yeah. Wild. I, mean, I, I think that stacking is a good thing, period. Like, you need some stacks uh, of the top 10 teams. And, like, this is like small sample size. Like, you can basically plug your ears and not listen to me. But of the top 10 teams, uh, one of them had three different stacks, uh, five of them had at least two three of them had one stack and then only one team didn't have a stack here. So nine of the top teams at least had one stack. Those can be from a, a single stack or that can be like in this case where you draft everybody from the team. And then those two teams just go nuclear. Don't want to make sweeping conclusions because you have a whole summer to do that. But what does this say about the tight end position in best ball that you can get by with a handful of games of Robert Tunyon and then Zach Ertz in round 17. And those are your two tight ends the whole season. Because that's a position as a whole where, you know, the top three or four or five separate themselves. And then it's a lot of meh after that. It depends on how well Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller and George Kittle do in that season. Like, if Travis Kelsey had the 2019 or 2020 season, then this strategy wouldn't work. But Travis Kelsey, relative to, like, where his ADP was, had a bad season. So that means all the late round tight end teams were able to close the gap. So it's, just, it's super volatile. I hate, I truly do hate talking about tight end strategy because it, <laughs> it truly just depends. Did Travis Kelsey roll his ankle or did he go have another hall of fame season this year? It was kind of in between. Um, so it closed the gap, but like if this, if he has uh, 18 points a game, like he had last year, then I would say this, this strategy is trash. But if Travis Kelsey breaks his leg in the first game, then I'll say, yeah, late round tight end wins because it's based off of one player. Like, it's it's nuts. Too chaos. 
Well, can I toss in a curveball there and say, hey, Mark Andrews was the highest advance rate to anyone in, you know, best ball mania two finals. And is he like the lone value pretty much out there at the tight end position all season long because he was like the tight end five drafted? Yeah. But how does that help me predict what's going to happen? Right. <laughs> no, I'm just, yeah, I'm it's just... <laughs> a, the strategy. I, I love talking about the tight ends because like I think there's a huge difference on how much upside a tight end has. And I want to find those like relative upside players. But like the actual strategy component of tight end is basically who knows. The only thing I would say is don't draft. Uh, George Kittle when you've already drafted Travis Kelsey. But outside of that, tight end strategy is kind of just variance. All right. Number eight, you know him. Maybe filled every single tournament out there this summer. It's Peter Overzet. 178.54 points, $25,000 right now. into he and our friend, Eric Bonforce. Pocket. Let's go. And again, we stay in the wide receiver heavy portion of the program. A start of Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, C.D. Lamb, Jamar Chase, Cal Pitts, Michael Gallup through six rounds. And after that, it's Dak Prescott, Raheem Mostert, Rondale Moore, James Conner. That's the selections through 10 rounds. I believe, Hayden, correct me if I'm wrong. This team had the 102 and selected Devontae Adams with the 102. So that is one of those other galaxy brain theories of, hey, if we have a different roster construction than many other teams that were just selecting Dalvin Cook in round two and taking the same wide receivers there in rounds two, three, whatever, whatever. This is taking it up a notch and having, you know, a different layout of players and picks versus other teams that had the one of two. Yeah, when we wrap up, I'm going to put the link to this stream uh, in the show notes because I I encourage everyone to watch this. I watched this the other day after they reposted it. And I mean, just nailing it. Like every single pick was very thoughtful. They were game stacking. They had correlations. They had like, if this happens, then this happens. And like, that's how you have to take this team. They went zero RB, very on brand for them. I didn't think that they overdid it with all the wide receivers. I see sometimes where I think some people do too many wide receivers. They have five strong ones in the first six rounds, but then they relatively stopped drafting them until very late. And that's when they're just hammering all of those running backs. And all of those running backs, in my opinion, were the right types of running backs, the contingent based running backs that actually have a three down ceiling like uh, Raheem Mostert. We all see what uh, Eli Mitchell did this year. We know that was a good pick. James Conner, we saw what he did. Tony Pollard, if Zeke got hurt, he's a three down player. Alexander Madison, three down player. Rashad Penny, if Chris Carson gets hurt, he's going to have a massive workload too. So I love all of those type of running back picks. And those all had upside. And he just, I mean, they just nailed it. So go, go watch that stream. I mean, every single pick was like this player, this player. Well, we can wait a couple rounds to get this player. It was like, yeah, it's art. Alexander Madison, round 13. His usable weeks, as you put so eloquently, are so different than a pass-catching running back's um, usable weeks. Sony Michelle in round 18. Correct me if I'm wrong, but at this time, Sony Michelle had not been traded from the Patriots to the Rams. And so getting that selection the second half of the season to lock up one of your starting gigs, uh, your top two running backs in round 18, is just magical. And then Rashad Penny, obviously, in, in round 16, someone who was drafted to be a foundation feature back, that type of workload as running back insurance. I mean, so many running back insurances in here, Madison, Penny, Michelle, so on and so forth. Um, the thought process is so, so clear in just those. I will say, yeah, yeah, that, that's all I want to say here for right now. 
the the Sony Michelle pick was because they had Hunter Henry and Mac Jones. So sometimes you got to get a little lucky, but that was still the right process. And like yep. the other thing is Sony Michelle first round pick Sony Michelle. Like this wasn't like oh he's probably going to get cut, get cut and never get seen again. Like no first round pick Sony Michelle was going to be on a roster. He needed some things to break his way, but that's I mean he was directionally correct. Like this team was just yeah, go listen to the stream. And look, if I was a mean person, I would say that they took Rondell Moore in round nine over Damian Harris, but I wouldn't say that at all. No. Okay. Let's jump to the number nine overall team. Smoke Daddy. 171 points. And again, I just want to outline how many different types of roster constructions, styles, galaxy brain theories that have all worked here thanks to half-point PPR and the goodness that the game is. Because, here we're back to heavy running back. A running back, running back, running back start with Aaron Jones, Antonio Gibson, and David Montgomery. Then wow. wide receivers, Cooper Cup, Chase Claypool, Robbie Anderson, and then a fourth running back in the top seven rounds in Damian Harris. So let me repeat that. Eighth place as of right now is Overzet with a – Wide receiver, five wide receiver picks in the top six rounds plus a tight end. And then we jump on over to the ninth place team just behind him with four running backs selected in round seven. I mean, it's so drastically different the way these two teams were constructed and were built. And I'm sure solid thought processes behind each, but they basically arrive in the same exact spot. Yeah, I mean, just half best or half point PPR just like levels the playing field on all of the different types of draft like if it's full point ppr with 100 yard uh, receiving bonuses and stuff like yeah it's you're going to be going zero rb and if you if it's not best ball and you can go find these players off the waiver wire then sure like zero rb definitely is going to work and half point ppr best ball where you don't get the to pick up cordero patterson throw him into your running back spot it gets a little bit trickier here so um, right. i think this team invested too much at the running back spot like for sure but uh, Cooper Cup will mask a lot of those issues, and then they just hit it with Amon Ross, Hamp Brown, um, and Joe Burrow down the stretch here. If you almost if you went reverse order and you of uh, the running backs, and you had Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson basically as the running back MVPs, and like you didn't even need Antonio Gibson this year. So pretty, I mean, this is what the simulation will do. All of a sudden, this team gets lifted uh, into the top ten. Correct me if I'm wrong. We've seen one Debo Samuel team. And this is the first Cooper Cup team we've seen yeah. already. Again, those were the two wide receiver MVPs throughout the entire season. Things change, obviously, once you get to small little tournaments is what Best Ball Mania 2 does once you get into round 15, round 16, and round 17. Um, yeah, the, the idea of just five running backs totally on this roster. Three of the five were taking the first three rounds and then the other two in four and five and Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. They're on the same team. They're on the same team. Variance is crazy. It is. I want Ross St. Brown helps a lot. Heck Byron Pringle helps a lot in round 18 as well. Makes up for the lack of, you know, Chase Claypool in recent weeks, Robbie Anderson all season long um, Deshaun Jackson all season long. And then getting two different types of quarterbacks and Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts in rounds 10 and 11. There was a true sweet spot to me of, of that quarterback position. We talked a lot about 
Um, if you're going to isolate one, obviously Josh Allen has been on many of the top teams this year, and he was drafted a lot in round five. Then there was, again, those eight, nine, 10, 11 round quarterbacks with Hertz and Burrow being, being mentioned in those two. So, okay. I think we got one more left, Hayden. Let's do it. Let me get it. Jared Powell is the name. Jared Powell, 10th place, best ball mania two. Again, 11th place still has Nick Chubb on the roster, but Nick Chubb would have to outscore the person who's already either in the running back two slot or in the flex. And maybe that 11th place does hop into the top 10 somewhere. Here's Jared Powell's roster. We close out with another running back heavy team. Jonathan Taylor, Antonio Gibson, Amari Cooper, Jamar Chase, Travis Etienne in round five, followed by Mark Andrews, Jalen Waddell, Elijah Moore, Logan Thomas, and the first quarterback in round 10. That's Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think this team's totally viable. They had Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow stacked up. One of the teams that had that stack correctly, they had um, A.J. Green and Christian Kirk without having DeAndre Hopkins. So if DeAndre Hopkins misses time, all of a sudden those two players get boosted up. So there's some correlation there. So yeah, I think this team is totally viable. A couple notes here. Um, it's impossible to reach any conclusions here because if like a lot of these teams are had RB heavy teams, but 80% of the teams on underdog had RB heavy teams. And like, we should expect most of these teams to be RB heavy teams, even if like on the averages, that wouldn't be the case. So like, this is like, we have a couple months to figure out all the little minute de- details. But as you can see, like looking at these top 10 teams, zero RB, two RB, three RB, one RB, Whatever RBs you want, however many wide receivers you want, any of it can kind of work as long as you kind of think through it um, thoughtfully or sometimes even not thoughtfully, and it just works out. Well, here's a strategy for the first one in here at number 10 versus what we haven't seen in the past, thinking that rookies were undervalued throughout the entire draft process. There are seven rookies on this roster. Aiden, Jamar Chase, Travis Etienne, Jalen Waddell, Elijah Moore, Justin Fields, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Dwayne Eskridge. That's crazy. Yeah. Post by rookie bump team. And it kind of shows you that again, just when you miss out on Travis Etienne early in the season, before the season starts, while you might not have, you know, Elijah Moore break out until his post by rookie bump. Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown, the same exact thing. You have 18 rounds here. You have 18 rounds and nailing these 18th round picks, 16th round picks, 13th round picks can be the like true difference maker in all of your drafts this offseason. Um, I'm not sure the best approach of getting those right. You just have to do the player evaluation correct. I think some of it is surveying the landscape of depth charts. At least this is what it was for A.J. Green for me, being like, I know this guy's going to be a starting outside wide receiver for a team that we believe is a top 10 offense. He's being overly misevaluated because of how he was the least efficient wide receiver in 2020. And so it can only go up. From there, and then obviously rookies are a part of that because they're a total unknown. So, behind the scenes, look what I've got: depth charts for all the players where they're going in 2022 drafts. Right when the regular season's done, we got all the depth charts ready to go. I've been uh, in the lab. Yeah, I, I, who knows what edges we can maximize? But I can't wait to try to think of ones that we have found out because now we have two years of data. It's two weird years, including COVID, and hopefully next year isn't as impacted as this one was with all of it. 
But I will say, I mean, it makes me want to play best ball more than anything else because dealing with the waivers and the changes and, you know, the positive test the morning of, the day before, whatever, um, the standard managed leagues have become less fun for me. And having my team already set from best ball all season long, uh, that's the funnest game out there for me at the moment. Yeah, and there's lots of sickos out there that want to draft right now. Like you can go and draft a 2022 team today. Like that's you can't really do that on a regular standard draft. You can do it in best ball uh, right now. So uh, yeah, we'll go through all the edges. There's going to be player evaluation edges that we can talk through on the podcast and on Underblog. There will be deep studies. I'll have so many charts this year. We're gonna have, <laughs> I mean, a ridiculous amount of charts. Uh, so. Yeah, we got plenty of opportunity, but yeah, everyone take a breather. Congrats to Liam yep. and Wilk and everybody else that's been in here. This was a great year. I'm glad that Overzet and Eric had a good year as well. Dink. Yeah, Dink. Yeah, a lot of the better players. Uh, Herzig had a m- massive hit in some of these too. So yeah, the, the content creators do a very good job with their evaluations. We kind of treat them a little bit differently with what matters and what doesn't, but um, I think right now, if you're listening to all the stuff, you should have some edges. It's a brand new game. But I think that we're directionally accurate uh, throughout the industry. You ready to do six more months of this, Hayden? Can I get like at least one month off? And then <laughs> not a uh, month, a week. Well, May is going to be quite the time getting married. Yes. So I'm probably going to take that whole month off. Not well, that's month. when Best Ball Mania 3 probably is going to launch in May. I'll have my I'll have my rankings done on January 12th. <laughs> And they'll be beautiful. I I'm already have a bunch of player blurbs ready. Oh, we'll that's so good. Again, there's going to be months and months available for big conclusions to make on all the data. And I'm sure we're going to get a lot more of it as the weeks and weeks roll through. But number one that has stood out to me from tracking this all season long and looking back at just these top 10 teams and the top 160 overall, every strategy is viable. Every single one can win. And that's the goodness of half point PPR. That's the goodness of best ball. This is not some formula, some singular strategy that works everything. And if these 10 teams don't outline that very well, then, uh, and to me, that's why it's so much fun and why we're still early, why we're still figuring this all out and why we all have a chance. Why we all have a chance. And to take it a step further, different types of best ball products, the conclusions that we just reached here don't even matter that much for NFL playoffs best ball. That's a whole another new game to learn. And that game, I think, in my opinion, is even more fun. And we have even more things to think about. So um, if you want to at least try one or two drafts, I think it would be a lot of fun. Keep you occupied for the rest of um, the NFL playoffs. Hopefully nobody has to do anything for week 18. We can take a breather, do some NFL playoffs drafts maybe we will even do another stream i think we're due for one of those um yeah congrats to everybody good year thanks for checking us out the entire year josh and i have really appreciated the growth and all the support that you guys have been giving us this has been so much fun also shout out to the underdog team uh individuals nick rudman les keevil the entire engineering team the entire design team the entire ops team everyone behind the scenes. Um, I wish all of you could like peek through the keyhole on what goes on behind the scenes, because I I love this team that we work with. It is so much fun to do all this stuff on a daily basis. And we have the fun job. They are grinding it out. 
Yes. Every single day, every single week, they listen to you. They listen to you. And I think that that is such a difference of what makes underdog underdog versus some of these other platforms is they care about your feedback. We take it to heart. We have constant conversations of all of it. And a lot of it is the community around this channel, around the audio feed, the podcast feed, and then just on Twitter in general. And when you watch other streamers too. Um, so we really appreciate you too. Um, it's been so much, so much fun. And I'm going to feel even more comfortable, more confident in my beliefs, my evaluations, how I talk about this God's game of half point PPR best ball moving forward because we have a, a year under our belts and uh, here's to many, many more to come. All right. That's going to do it. For Hayden, I am Josh for the 2021-2022 best ball season. It's been a blast, everyone. Up the villa. Talk to you all soon. See ya.